out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow underway. Sixth and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Crew is all here making it happen for us uh, behind the scenes, including you guys. Thanks for joining us across the network on this great radio partner or on YouTube streaming live each and every day. You can join us just by searching out Outkick on the YouTube channel. Chad, we've got Dan Dockage coming up in about 20 minutes. Ray Horton, former NFL defensive coordinator, current USFL head coach in Pittsburgh, playing for the title this coming uh, weekend for the USFL against Birmingham. He'll join us later in the show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Uh, I come to the show today bearing bad news that the swim lesson experiment of the summer of 2023 (laughs) is officially over. Kaput, not going back, went back today. And we regressed, uh, not even to the mean, well below the mean, to where it was a distraction to every other kid in the pool and uh, complete unwillingness to try anything, even sitting in a float where your feet are barely in the water. Wouldn't do that. So I pulled up anchor, about eight minutes left in the uh, class today, went home. Uh, there was a spanking in the, uh, in the parking lot. <laughs> I hate to break that to everyone. If you're against that, don't care. Uh, I'm for it. And there was a stern talking to. And we will not be going back to that swim class tomorrow. So I did my best, did all I could, but there comes a time where you just have to pack it in and admit reality. And reality here is nothing is going to get accomplished at this swim school this week. So we will go to a different swim class. I will work with her more in the pool one-on-one and we will get to a point of pool safety and swimming safety at some point. Hutton, that point is not today. I've got questions uh, to follow up with later in the show on this. Uh, I just wanted to get that out first because it is deja vu. People have been asking. A lot of people have been concerned about it. If we're going to keep doing it, had to come out first right out of the gates and explain to everyone done. Not going to happen. Ted, it's a deja vu with uh, NFL and the gambling policy uh, as well. Schefter mentioned it yesterday. We knew that Isaiah Rogers, the the corner and kick returner for the Indianapolis Colts was going to be suspended for a full year minimum. Uh, suspended indefinitely, can reapply uh, at the beginning of the NFL calendar year, which is uh, next February slash March, um, because he's copped to it. He's admitted that he bet not just on sports while on a team facility, but on the NFL specifically. Schefter said there would be others. Uh, in fact, Rashad Berry, another uh, member of the Colts, he's been suspended for the full year. Both Rodgers and Barry released from the, the Colts roster today. Uh, meanwhile, Titans right tackle Nicholas Petitfriere, uh, former Ohio State Buckeye, he suspended six games for betting on something other than the NFL, but while on team property, which could be a practice facility, could be at the stadium in the locker room, it could be a bus, it could be a hotel. It's all very gray gray area based on the rules and regulations of this and the suspensions continue to follow but chad i say deja vu because another example nicholas petit ferrer is is saying hey i i did this i didn't bet on the nfl we know that because he was only suspended six games but here we are again with another player saying they didn't understand the policy didn't know the policy was enforced for everything not just the nfl and as we talk about this, Jordan Sims in our YouTube chat says, getting suspended for gambling on other sports is insane. Yeah, we, I agree. What's also, and I, I agree too, totally. What also is insane is the complete incompetence of the NFLPA. Because once again, they look ill-prepared, disorganized. 
There's a clear lack of communication going on. We had longtime NFL vet Logan Ryan in studio not so long ago. We brought up these issues. Logan Ryan told us in a sort of passive way, yeah, I mean, I guess we knew about it. It came in some mass email that was sent out to everyone about the gambling policy. But I took note of that and thought, man, this is something very important to lose six-plus games on when you're talking about the season, the money at stake, the careers at stake. Without pay, you're right. To lose that many games without pay. And then to say that, yeah, I think they covered it in an email that was sent out to players. It's got to be more than that. They're doing more than that now. The NFL, NFLPA, they're doing their job at this point because a lot of people, their seasons, they're being cost their seasons because they did something they did not know was illegal. Nicholas Petit Frere, we go from Logan Ryan in that statement to his statement today after being popped with that suspension, and his statement reads something right in the middle of it that I want to bring up that I find very, very interesting. Um, He said, I will be including this group of players receiving a six-game suspension. The betting I engaged in was not NFL-related and was under Tennessee law. It's being sanctioned because it occurred at the Titans' facility now he goes on to say that he did not know the specifics here it is even after attending a league presentation I was unaware about the specifics around placing bets from a team facility that is unacceptable now someone might come back and say well it's unacceptable that Nicholas Petit Frere didn't know this because other guys didn't commit these violations and he is guilty of committing that violation fine But if he is saying, and he seems like a pretty smart guy, yes, they covered this. I attended something where they talked about it. And he knew not to bet on the league. But I was still unaware that this was even a thing. Absolutely knew not to bet on the league. And he's saying, I didn't bet on the league at all. This is a problem for the NFLPA. It's becoming a problem for ownership. Petit Frere, one example, starting right tackle for a Titans team that already had a terrible offensive line. That was trying to rebuild that offensive line. And now for the first six games of their season, they're going to be without their starting right tackle. This is a huge blow to the Titans. And it's it's going to be a huge blow to other teams. And it's unpredictable. Where this is going to continue to happen. And oh, by the way, the NFL has just started the news dump and the announcements of a lot of other players who are going to be suspended. Well, the, the NFL is announcing these as they're told about them, as things are confirmed through the apps that we're all using that are geo tracking and they know the location specific to. Uh, in this case, it was a team facility or a team stadium. But in other cases, it can be on a bus or at a hotel, and they know exactly where you're placing those bets, and they're turning players in uh, because they can specify whose account it is and where they're making that bet from. But let's also go back to your point because you're absolutely right about the NFLPA. This, this, like, so I'm sympathetic to players like Nicholas Petit Frere. Or others who have been suspended for six games. And let's Jameson also say Williams. with Petit Frere, and you mentioned it, not doing really anything wrong. No. It's not like well, he's betting on his team, right. betting against his team, betting on the league. Just right? like violating We're, we're the talking policy. about a technicality that he violated well, that he's claiming I didn't even know about. But, but here's the issue. Here's the crux of the issue and why I say, like, Demora Smith is the NFLPA director, executive director. He is stepping aside and will be replaced in 2024. At least that's the expectation. They've named his replacement. 
Goodell released a statement about his replacement. It was voted on through the union. All is well, at least on a surface level. That's what they want us to believe. Um, they're always going to point to the small victories in any type of negotiation with the NFL. But the NFLPA, uh, and, and also something we discussed with Logan Ryan when he was here in studio with us, by far the weakest of the, the, the four major sports across the country. Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and then there's the NFL, where it's the owners, the haves. And while the players also have, uh, they're not getting half of what is coming in for the billionaires that own these teams. That's collectively bargained and negotiated. And here's the other issue that DeMore Smith and player representatives allowed to happen. It, it's very vague. It's tough for me to find. I, I was looking this up for the last couple of days. Chad, I, I wanted to know, did the NFLPA sign off on this policy? The answer is yes and no. But it's even worse based on what I found from uh, Pro Football Talk and Mike Florio from something back in uh, a couple of weeks ago, but they reference the Pro Bowl where the, the Players Association and the league came to an agreement that players that were attending the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas were technically on their own dime, quote-unquote. They're on their, their own time. Let's put it that way. Which was unusual to Florio for this policy because they were allowed to go in casinos, which they're not allowed to do. Unusual because the NFL given was, was handed the power by the players' union. They conceded that the league has full power to determine the contours of the gambling policy unilaterally without collective bargaining. Think about that for a moment. The NFL is saying, hey, here's the policy. We're turning this over to the union that gave us the authority to come up with it. It's on them as much as it is on us to lay this out to you. And the teams, and let me also mention the agents have also lacked in this area because everything is so vague and detailed. This needs to be very black and white. You don't bet on the NFL. If it is legal in your state that you can have the app, go place a bet if you think that Nurmaga Madoff last year, two years ago prior to his retirement, is going to win. If you think that Tony Ferguson is going to somehow uh, beat Justin Gaethje. Or what, Scotty Scheffler's going to win the weekend tournament in the PGA Tour. Or if you think Western Kentucky's going to cover the 14.5 against Texas San Antonio. Like, uh, who cares based on the way this policy reads? The NFL, though, cares about the integrity of what they're doing, which has been preaching against all things Sin City for decades upon decades. And now they are raking in the money just like radio stations and TV stations across the country did in 2019 and 2020 that kept a lot of local places afloat and people in jobs and media because the only advertisers during COVID were the sports apps because those were becoming legal state to state. And the NFL's taking in that money around the same time if you look at who was advertising and who wasn't. And the NFLPA just gave full authority to the league to say, come up with whatever policy and enforce it however you want. This is on the Players Association that is weak as hell. And I am sympathetic to the players that 
feel like they didn't know or still don't know the ramifications of betting on, again, hypothetically, an NBA game, the UFC, PGA Tour on the weekend. It can be slam ball, whatever they're taking props on now. As long as it's not the NFL, which also, by the way, includes things like the NFL draft, uh, NFL combine, can't do that either. As long as it's not underneath the Shields purview, I don't think it should be a part of this policy. But the NFL, with the current umbrella and the policy that's in place, only the players have been granted access to these apps to bet on anything. If you're an employee of the league, if you're a broadcaster or a janitor in the building, you're not allowed to bet on anything, including college sports, including anything other than the NFL, which is expressly prohibited. Chad, this is, it's confusing. And while I think the league is pointing to the NFL PA and saying, hey, you know, you gave us this authority, we're going to punish these guys. And we're going to continue to do so because we need the integrity to stand afloat. We, we need to point to this because we're serious about it. This is also a group of ownership that want their star players available. It's a group of general managers and head coaches that don't want to find out in week four that some you know, guy didn't know the policy and bet on something in the preseason. And now he's out for potentially a month and a half. And he's an integral part of a, a piece of the puzzle for what you had planned going into the season. That's why they'll come back to the drawing board and they'll figure something out here. But in the meantime, the agents and specifically the PA, they've got to figure out a way to get the message across because the league had Brady do this PSA for the players. They laid out six big points and then they went bullet by bullet underneath those points that we've laid out. It, it, can it be confusing? Sure. I, th I think if, well, the, these... if the teams have to lay this out in a much smoother fashion, otherwise there's going to be a lot more of this because I'm, well, I'm these not suspensions sitting, should I'm get the message sitting, across. I'm not, but, but, but we've seen the suspensions already. I know, but now the, these are all the guys doing this around the same time. Now that all these suspensions have, that should get the message across. Well, my point is, it should have never come to this. But but my but my point is, oh, since the suspensions have taken place, Jamison Williams, if it all took around, around the same time. What about the last two months, that time period of what guys have done? Now that we've had OTAs and oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't well, know that we're going to find though. anyone's done anything. Well, uh, but Maybe these, they all stopped when that these, news came out. These companies, though, are turning over different accounts. It, it's not going to stop, but it's also not to the detriment of the league yet. Well, who asked for this? You know, this, this is a new segment on the show. Who asked for this? Like, who... On both sides, why would either side, usually in a negotiation, you can see why, why one side might want something and why the other side might fight it. I see all of this stuff about placing a bet on a different sport, on a team bus, and I think, why would either side want to stipulate that as part of the suspension? Why not just blanket statement, you can never bet on the NFL. Well, here's why. And though. everything else is fair game. Like, why would anyone want that? They they want to just have a blanket rule that you can't do it because you land in a state where it's legal. Not every state with an NFL team can you do this. So they have to put that in to the policy for players that will land in, in if they land in Nashville for a road trip, they're here on a Saturday for a noon kickoff here. They the policy's in place because it's legal here and not necessarily legal in wherever, right? So th that's that's 
the reason why it's in place the way it is. But again, if but you it, just it doesn't it have to, to be that difficult. Don't bet on the NFL. How many headaches would you solve? Well, but to, I think if that was the stipulation. But here, I, I'm with you 100. percent They they're going to argue. Oh, we don't want the perception that guys are blowing their salaries on whatever and becoming a big headline with whatever sports app is out there. Again, simplify this or just do away with it because the guys that are currently getting suspended, Isaiah Rogers is a sixth round pick making like 700 grand. This isn't the 50 million per year quarterbacks that are losing out on a year's salary. Dan Dockett's next on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton Withrow with you for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Chad, our thoughts in the first segment on the policy in place for gambling within the NFL. That's coming from our view of not betting on the NFL, but betting on anything else. Right. Uh, Isaiah Rogers, who has said that, yeah, I did bet on the on league things, games, props, whatever. He's suspended for the year. He's been cut in Indy. Corner and kick returner. Uh, Adam Schefter puts out uh, through David Purdom of ESPN that sources say among Isaiah Rogers' wagers was a $1,000 prop bet on the over-under of rushing yards on a Colts running back. I'm assuming that would be Jonathan Taylor. Maybe not. But that's specifically what we're saying is fair game for the NFL to suspend for. Right now, it's an open book. If you if you bet on anything, anything while on team property, you're getting suspended at least six games. And if it's the league, you're done for at least a year. Dan Dockich joins us, host of Don't At Me, right here on the Outkick Network. Dan, good to see you, and uh, I'm curious where, where you come down on the, the NFL policy that, for whatever reason, players still are scratching their heads going, okay, how do we understand this? Well, I, I think it's, according to guys that I've talked to, it's a fairly easy policy. I think it's a ridiculous policy. Yeah. First, um, it's all based on where you gamble. So if you and I are sitting there and we're in the 
the sanctuary that is the cafeteria, the weight room, the locker room offices. It's not church for crying out loud. Or, the or in your car in the parking lot in and on the Wi-Fi. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yes. Anything associated with the building. Right. Holy cow, the building. <laughs> the cathedral. You know, yes. where... Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's... Jeez. I mean, when I go to church... Uh, I always wear shoes, number one. And number two, I never bring in my phone because I respect it. And so I think that's just stupid. I do think this. I, I do think, and this will be interesting with Rodgers and the kid Barry uh, betting on, well, at least Rodgers for sure. I shouldn't say it in anybody else. But, you know, Pete Rose got suspended for a lifetime. I mean, he's yeah. never been back in, and you know, for betting on his own sport. And this is a guy to bet on his team. Uh, I got a hard time believing that he'll be back in the league. Colts cut him, which is what they had no choice to do, him and the Barry kid. But honestly, God, guys, I, 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 know, I know – maybe we've talked about this. I've talked about this so much. When I, when I went to Wembley Stadium, Ladbrokes is the dealer there, the uh, DraftKings basically of England, and you could make a bet. Not on the NFL. The NFL did not have that, but they had a gambling kiosk right there in the stadium. That's coming to the NFL. The Cubs – just put a renamed the Captain Morgan bar down right field to the DraftKings bar. You can make bets there in the stadium. Uh, I, I just think this whole thing is incredibly hypocritical. Who cares if a player's sitting there and he looks at his other teammate and says, look, who you like, Duke or North Carolina? Right. And you make a bet, whether it's at the White Castle across the street, your car, who gives a rat's? But if you're betting on your own team, if you're betting on against four – I really don't care. I think that's got to be severe. I, I don't think you can let that bad boy go. I, I'm, again, I'd be surprised if this is kind of the first guy, I guess. I'd be surprised if they'd let him come back. Yeah, and I, look, I'm not naive enough to believe that it's this small amount of, of uh, number of players that have done this. It's just the ones that have been turned over by these, by these apps, by these companies. And, and number two, they're not the only league with players that are doing this. But I, I do think regardless, Dan, of where the NFLPA came down on this earlier last year, this year, whatever, which they gave full authority to the NFL to come up with and, and implement and, and pursue their own policy and discipline. I do think the, the owners and the league itself with coaches and GM input, they're going to come back to the table on this and try to figure out a way to simplify it even more because they don't need this going on in what feels like once or twice a month on average right now. Yeah, I, I, this is like dripping water, right? I mean, this is yeah. like, okay, here comes another couple guys. Here comes another couple guys. It's hard for me to imagine that you, as the NFLPA, would just give all that kind of power. I mean, the NFLPA should be smarter than that. But, hey, look, um, maybe they negotiated something else, with that, which I assume they did. The interesting thing is going to be this, and, and I was kind of – I was looking this up a while back. You know, there was a gambling scandal. Paul Horning and a guy from my hometown, Alex Karras, were suspended uh, for betting on NFL games. This is going back to 1963. They weren't kicked out forever. So, you know, maybe there is policy that uh, you can do this and come back. Here's the other. This is something that fascinates me, though, and I'm curious your guys' thought on this. Okay. Gambling is technically legal in the state of Indiana, sports gambling, whether it's DraftKings, FanDuel, you name it, you can do it yep. as long as they have a thing up. You know, Same Barstool here. has it. You know, okay, yeah, that's right. You know, what, you know what isn't legal? Card games. And NFL, NBA players play on the team bus. So that would be technically in the facility somewhat. Right. 
the games of Tonk, the games of Spades, the games of poker, the games are incredible. Like, you know, you hear it all the time. Guys are playing poker in the locker room, lost $20,000. Gilbert Arena, Gilbert Arena, Arena's got to bring a gun yeah. to it. It, it. It's really fascinating. Playing boo with something that's legal. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, we used to do it. Hey, look, back in, the, back in the team flight at Indiana, when you got to be a senior, you got the card table, and we would have all kind of games. We would keep the money we were playing for on a napkin underneath the, you know, underneath the table so Coach Knight didn't lose his mind. But still – I just, I just think it's fascinating. You're talking about something that's legal in the state of Indiana. It isn't a cathedral. I understand it's the rules. I get all that. I just think people don't care anymore, uh, including myself, except if you are gambling for or against your own team. I think that's the only problem. That's the only problem that I have with it. But I may be stupid. I don't know. So, Dan, in the past, both Dennis Rodman and Isaiah Thomas have made the comment that if Larry Bird were were black, he'd be just another guy. That he won three MVPs solely because of his whiteness. And now Dennis Rodman has doubled down on that, recently saying that if Larry Bird played basketball today, not only is he just another guy, he's not even an NBA guy. He's going to be playing in Europe. That he would not be able to play in today's NBA. What am I missing here when I see the actual points scored, titles won, assist, everything to Larry Bird's game that you know, it was only his whiteness apparently that's that hit all those shots in his day. And if, and if Larry Bird isn't good enough to play, who in the 1980s is good enough to play in today's NBA? It's such an odd comment. Well, Isaiah said it laughing. Isaiah, I'll defend Isaiah here because I've asked him about that. He's like, look at the clip. I'm just laughing, saying, yeah, he couldn't play. He's white. Uh, Here's the deal, uh, and I am an Indiana guy, but I had no idea who Larry Bird was. I didn't know who Larry Bird was in high school. He might as well have been uh, in Nashville uh, with me being in the northwest corner of the state and him being all south. So I really don't have any bias. And, in fact, I think Magic Johnson was a hell of a lot better than Larry Bird, which is blasphemy in this state. But one of the things that when people miss the, this thing, okay, well, he's slow. Well, so's Jokic. Well, whatever. But what every NBA guy, and if you ever have one of these guys on, whether it's Barkley or Isaiah or Magic or Kareem or Malone or Stockton, I mean, name a guy, Drexler, Hakeem, the one thing they all have is an incredible reverence for Larry Bird's ability, his toughness, his shot making. They will even tell you, and I know this, he was much more athletic than they thought. Rodman, you know, who knows what he was smoking? What was he doing? What was he drinking? What was he on? Uh, what did he had just come off of a seven day bender with Madonna and her daughter? I don't know. <laughs> but long story short, uh, you know, Rodman has to say these things, uh, but everybody, and I mean literally, I'm being literal here, every single guy that played in that era, they won't, they'll tell you Jordan was the best. And most of them, 90% of them will tell you that Magic was the second best, or right, Isaiah though. But every one of them, because of how tough he was. So look, Larry Bird could play today, Larry Bird could play tomorrow, Larry Bird could play yesterday because he is tougher than tough. I mean, stupid tough, and every guy that played against him knows Rodman's doing his thing. Yay, Rod, go fight with him. He'd be a little bit racist here, which is what we've come to expect from folks, but that's all right. Larry Bird, come on, Rodman, let's go. So there was this recent report out uh, from ESPN about the lack of diversity and diversity problems in Major League Baseball, right? And, and what they're really saying is there's not enough African-Americans playing Major League Baseball because there's plenty of races playing the sport. They're just from different countries. 
And it really got me thinking because uh, when I grew up, some of my favorite baseball players were, were black guys. Uh, David Justice, Ricky Henderson, Tony Gwynn. I can go down the list of some of my favorite players. I firmly believe the sport is better when there are more African-American players in the sport. So I, I would agree with that part. But is it controversial to also say, Dan, that the NBA is better when there's a few more white stars like Nikola Jokic because you're seeing more of everything when that happens? I don't like any sport that's dominated by, by one race. Yeah, I don't care either way. Like, I, I, it's, it's one of those deals like um, I had a guy call me in my, uh, on my show and he talked about uh, how he liked the song Brandy. The song Brandy was written by my grade school baseball coach and sold for $1,500. And he talked about his wife who he said was about 310 pounds. I go, oh, man, good for you. He goes, hey, Dan, you like who you like. And I've always stuck with that. Like, I don't care if everybody in the league is uh, black, white, green. I, put the best people in. I mean, I honestly don't. I don't I don't get it. Like, people always say, well, you know what? Uh, college basketball is better if Indiana's good. All right. Maybe, I suppose, but I just want good games. I, these diversity reports kill me. Like, what are you supposed to do? Uh, bring up a double-A uh, African-American kid over a complete stud so you get your numbers right? I, look, put the best players in. I don't care if Jokic or Embiid is the best. Who's the best? Let's go. I, I just have never – oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, in fact, as you were saying that, uh, about, you know, black players being your favorite. I was thinking to myself, who are my favorite? Well, Billy Williams and Fergie Jenkins are my two favorite players. Yeah. Uh, Billy Williams and Fergie Jenkins were, were Cubs. And, hey, look, but it could have been two white dudes on the Cubs just if they were as good as Fergie Jenkins and Billy Williams or my favorite basketball player of all time is from the Chicago Bulls. His name is Bob Love. He's number 10. I wore number 10 my entire life. But, you know, he was a black guy. I, he could have been a white dude and if he was that good. I don't know. I just... I never think about I, – I, it's not that I don't think about those things because it's thrown in your face. I just don't care. Like, I always look – this lap chick guy is always keeping track, and I'm like, all right, what do you want him to do? You want him to go out and say, hey, kid, I know you never played baseball, but we got to get our numbers up here. Hey, man, sports, we always say this. We always say this, Chad. Sports is a meritocracy. Yep. It's the ultimate meritocracy until we come out with studies. And then it's like, well, wait a second here. We got to get more – uh, left-handed women playing baseball. I mean, what? Uh, it's a meritocracy if you're good enough. And I'll also say this. Like, one thing I know, and I don't give a damn if it was me at Bowling Green, uh, Mike, uh, John Thompson, I had a conversation with him one time, Bob Knight, uh, Bill Belichick and Parcells, I had conversations with this. Hey, man, dudes will play, uh, name it. Na guys will play uh, a screaming Karen that, that is at City Hall fighting abortion if they thought that she could get him 25 in an NBA game. No, but winning is the whole deal in that deal. And the other stuff is just for people like that guy Lapchick who's got to keep track and then, you know, DEI reports or whatever the hell they are. I, I just don't give a rat's, man. Just give me the best players. Dan Dockich with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Dan, uh, how, many, how many players in your playing days – percentage-wise gas estimate for smoking pot. Uh, Kelsey's saying between 50 and 80%. I think it's closer to 80 than 50. I think he's on to something there. 
And I think it's been that way for quite some time, even when they were testing. It's an idiot test is what I refer to it as because the guys know when they're going to get tested, when they actually were, were capable of being suspended for it. Uh, now they're not, but they're still being tested for it. I, I'm curious uh, how much things have changed behind the scenes because now guys are just saying like, yeah, uh, they, it's, it's all across the league. And in fact, the vast majority of guys are using, uh, using cannabis. <clears throat> You asked when I played. When I played, there was a few guys at Indiana, and there was you know more guys probably on other teams because Coach Knight had the fear of God in you. But when I went back to Indiana, and I coached there as the interim coach and as assistant coach in 07-08, I got to tell you, man, uh, damn near the whole team. Yeah. I mean, Eric Gordon did not. DJ White got caught early in his career, so he did not uh, at that time. I would, but, hey, look, it got to the point. I mean, these dudes, and when I first got there and all of a sudden dudes are running out real fast after practice, I asked Calvin Sampson's kid, I go, where the hell are they going? Oh, they're going to Walgreens. <laughs> they're going to Walgreens or Walmart. And what are they doing? Well, they're finding the mask. And everybody there knows how to mask it. They know <laughs> it yep. was a damnedest thing. So when I became the head coach, I said, look, you're, if, if you're, I'll give you a baseline here because that was Sampson's deal. But if it goes up, I'm suspending your ass. Probably shouldn't have done it. Probably should have let them smoke all the weed they wanted, won some games, and then kicked them out. But in my deal, I got to tell you, very few. Uh, but I'm not naive enough to think that I knew who everybody was. But now, I had a player tell me, Jamarcus Ellis. Jamarcus Ellis uh, is a tough street kid from uh, Chicago. He told me, he said, Coach, smoking weed in the African-American community is like you white guys drinking beer. <laughs> Shotgunning. That's right. Uh, Dan Dockich, check him out tomorrow morning right here on the Outkick Network. Dan, thank you as always, Thanks, man. Dan. Get to the weekend and hit them straight. Back with more headlines, including John Morant and what his attorney saying right now about the fight in the basketball court at his house. Chad, it's a busy day here at 6th and Peabody here in Music City. We've got the NHL draft in town, I believe uh, day two. It's like second, third round of the NHL draft. There's a kid out here just got drafted by the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Everyone's, you know, cheering for him. And I'm thinking, they'll be booed here soon. Yeah. You know? Enjoy um, the cheers now, kid. Walk by. I, I don't know. Uh, it, English is not his first language. He does know some, I could tell. But the, the party's going on. And there's also like a pro boxing deal here tonight as well, which is uh, they're running it back from last year, which is this this place never sleeps. Always fun. Friday There's night always fights here tomorrow. some event going on. There's always some event going on in Nashville now, but those events seem to run through Sixth and Peabody in some way. Yeah, Friday night fights uh, with TriStar Boxing here uh, tonight. We will check in. The weigh-ins are happening here on site. Uh, I don't know if it was a Friday night bout or not. And what was uh, a skirmish with Ja Morant and the, at the time the 17-year-old kid at uh, Ja's house where there was a guy who was playing for, um, what's the high school? In, it was Oak Hill. Okay. He's yeah. playing at Oak Hill. T. Morant, Ja's father, claims that he told the 17-year-old to go at Ja hard because you're about to play at Oak Hill and if you can take this on... You can take on whatever you're going to face at Oak Hill. You're going to dominate. Well, it ended up, uh, according to the documents here, it ended up being a you know a, a skirmish, what have you. 
where allegedly this guy throws a basketball in John Morant's face. That leads to accusations that he goes into the home, gets a firearm, and then brings it out and has it in his waistband and his shorts and like shows it off, like lifts his T-shirt up to like wipe his face to clearly, again, allegedly show that he's got the firearm uh, in, 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 his, in his waistband. The attorney for John Morant is seeking to dismiss this civil lawsuit based on the testimony of T, again, his father, saying that all of this was instigated by the 17-year-old for throwing the basketball in Jaw's face at this private residence. That's the latest in all of them. It's a difficult claim to say that a basketball being thrown at your head would warrant a punch, allegedly, Right. Followed up by going somewhere else in your residence to bring a gun out and threaten someone with a gun who by no one's account had a gun. That's not self-defense. Now, self-defense could be the punch. You know, someone throws a ball in your face. You get hurt, hit in the face. They're next to you. You punch them. Okay, that's self-defense. But it's a different leap in logic to go from that being self-defense to... And then he walked into the, his room and brought a gun out and well, flashed a gun at the guy who didn't have a gun, and all that was self-defense. I'm not buying that. This is all he said he said, right, in the civil lawsuit. And in, in civil cases, just keep in mind, and I know the majority would know, but just a reminder, it's more likely than not, instead of beyond a reasonable doubt that you would have in a criminal trial. So more likely than not, can the plaintiff in this prove his civil case against Morant. Now, T. Morant, his father, also testified as part of this hearing that he heard Holloway, who was 17 at the time, threatened to shoot at Morant's house. Now, if we went back a few months when we were discussing all this, Chad, last fall, early last fall, and because all of this, I believe, came out through the commercial appeal in Memphis, um, that then led to the reaction from John Morant to go into the home and come back out and have this in his waistband. Again, all allegations, they'll play this out, and it's not going to end anytime soon. However, it could because the, the lawyer for Moran is trying to get this thrown out, dismissed. Yeah, I think what we have here is a case of two guys being idiots. I'm not saying either one is innocent in this whole deal, but I do think it's a difficult self-defense claim. Uh, I guess other well, than you're saying he was showing the guy that he had a gun too because he was threatening to shoot up his house. Yeah. But... It's a it's a bad look for John Morant, regardless. Well, isn't it another uh, bad? Well, look? but but what it is is just another thing. I mean, we already knew about this, right? It's been in the list of issues yeah. involving a weapon, involving it, a firearm. It, it's been in his timeline. It's not part listed, of the John Morant timeline. It's not listed in the timeline that Adam Silver and the NBA are referring to when they're listing off the twenty-five game suspension. Silver's referencing what took place in Denver during the regular season, not referencing this type of report, but it's just another occurrence that happened even previous to all of this where you could see the downward spiral. So regardless or not of if they're going to have this dismissed or not, it is just following the, the calendar, following the, the timeline. Yeah of everything that we've referenced as, as a warning It's just sign. one in a string of disturbing incidents involving John Morant. Yeah, and Morant, you know, in his release statement, his second one, vowed to 
to be better, apologize for his actions. We'll see. Because right now, actions are, are speak louder than words. And, I mean, by and large, we, we subscribe to the idea that it's not words, it's actions. Well, he needs to have a very it's quiet six months. There's a six-month period here before he's going to play again. It needs to be a very quiet six months for John Morant. Well, in a quiet six months, let's also just throw this in, Chad, for his everyone around him. Yeah. Team Morant's the one getting into it with Shannon Sharp courtside. You know, they hash it out at halftime or whatever, but, I mean, it's a, it's a storyline because Team Morant's involved, not John Morant. It's a storyline going on with the Pacers because of the, the, the people that, that are with John Morant post-game and the laser pointers or whatever that's pointed at the team bus. You know, it wasn't John Morant doing that. It yeah. was the crew that he was with that was doing that. But also, whoever he was with in the car in this most recent issue where he shows the weapon in the passenger seat, that whoever had the camera on on Instagram Live saw it and then moved the camera away fast trying to protect him. Well, John Morant could stand to have one of these guys get locked up for a bit. I hate to be so harsh about it, but that actually might help him if it happened separate of him because he that that would be could be the wake up call he needs. Hey, one of my best friends who I've been hanging out with is now going to jail or is in a lot of trouble for this. Maybe I should avoid people like that and clean up my act also. Maybe that's exactly what he needs. Chad, uh, help me out here. When did we start caring again about the ESPY awards? I certainly I thought, don't. I, I, I've, been, I've been told that no one watches the ESPYs, so I don't know why I care that they're handing out some award to the U.S. women's soccer team. Don't care. Won't be watching. Oh, I, and, and people are up in arms over Peyton Hillis not being awarded. Who cares? It's the ESPYs. Yeah. Like that, Peyton again, Hillis needs a bigger honors than the ESPYs. We don't care about the ESPYs. No one's watching the ESPYs. If Peyton Hillis received an award, no one would know it. Because I'm, according to the, the ratings, no one watches the ESPYs. So I don't care what awards they're handing out. Simply don't. No, I, I don't either. And um, I can't think of the last time I watched a full ESPYs award show. I've seen some of the like vignettes they'll do. You know, honoring oh, it's been, someone. It's been years for me. So I'll see something on YouTube that I need to watch or that I, I wanted to watch. But having like sitting down and watching the awards or caring what the ESPYs do, I, I don't, I don't care. I, I would think if anybody, you know, takes issue. Which first off, if you're the U.S. Women's National Team, you shouldn't care because the ESPYs don't matter. Also about getting this award, but if someone takes issue with them getting something over someone else. I'm willing to bet if you looked in their social media timeline, they will have told you in the last 10 years that they'll never watch the ESPYs again and don't care about the ESPYs. So I will follow their lead and not care as well. Yeah. And we it, don't care. This isn't just the last couple of years issue. I mean, they were only drawing like two and a half million back in like 2012, 2013. Average viewers, I'm saying. So again, it's just uh, regardless of network, uh, I'm not paying attention to some award show just to mention, you know, the four-letter network and, you know, to, to have a headline about it. Well, if it's no one also, cares about the ESPY awards, then I don't care if Peyton Hillis receives one or not. Absolutely. And also, you know, we talk about knowing your demographic, you know, know knowing who you're marketing towards Yes. as a sports property or whatever it may be. We talked about it with, with Bud Light missing the mark on who they're marketing to right. and who buys their product. Um, this would be one where it could be ESPN saying, you know, the very small amount of people who watch this award show now are really into the U.S. women's national team. So let's give those people what they want because we're not going to bring in any added viewers anyway. So let's just play the hits 
which is honoring the U.S. women's national team because that's what the people who still watch this terrible award show want and like in our awards, so we're going to do that. This could very well just be marketing for who's watching this. I don't know because I don't watch. Yeah, and either way, what, what could have ended up as a tragic story ends up being one of uh, you know heroic action by Hillis who saves his son. He ends up in the ICU uh, based on saving his son, and I believe his niece was also involved in this and in Pensacola. Uh, whether or not he received some award from ESPN doesn't factor into anything that he did or the, the heroic nature of which he, he showed in this. Uh, again, like I, I it's think, not going to take some award from ESPN's acknowledgement for me to care about Peyton Hillis's actions here. I want us all to kind of mutually reach the point of not needing validation from ESPN for anything. Why, yeah. why does everyone look to ESPN or, uh, to validate their write, feelings about but, sports but, but or athletes? But if your stance is you're writing them off, then write them off. Right. Stop talking about them. But I hear from pretty, plenty of people in this YouTube chat all the time. It's like, you know, I, I hate ESPN. I don't, I don't want... Great. I'm right. glad you're watching us. I'm glad that you want right. to hear what we think about things. Please continue to do that. But in doing so also and writing them off, stop caring about what they're doing and stop seeking validation in your feelings about sports or the country through ESPN, a group and a network that everyone that's saying this has outwardly said sucks and doesn't well, know what they're doing. So why do we care about it? Why, it why do we care about validation from ESPN? Completely agree. And here's the other, here's the real story behind why the, the, the show itself sucks. Uh, they continue to lay off people within the, uh, within the company, underneath the, the Disney umbrella, but yet continue to spend millions on this show and beg athletes to show up and receive awards. And that's how they get them to show up. could have saved a lot of jobs down, having it. They're getting an award to show up and you know, walk the stage. It's also maybe one of the lowest moments ever of the year for comedy because athletes in the audience have no sense of humor about themselves. And if there's a stand-up comic who's remotely good that hosts it, it's the most awkward exchange because it's the worst possible audience. Yes, it is. For, for an event like that to have comedy and to make fun of people, it's always so terribly cringy from start to finish. And this is another example of why I stopped watching. Well, but you know, people are up in arms over McAfee making what? They reported $10 million at least annually. Yeah, and this came right after the, the layoffs were announced. Or the they're layoff. only mad because a lot of people are losing their job. Right, but but we've seen this in the past, even dating back to the the big layoffs that we saw in like 2012, 2013. Right, mm -hmm. it reported then that they were spending over seven million annually on the ESPYS, and they're still laying off people then, and they're doing it now, and you know they're spending more now compared to what they were. That that to me is the the hypocrisy in it, not hiring someone but spending money on an award show to get the clout and the cleat chasers happy based on what they're doing. But again, like I'm not going to sit here and try to argue one way or the other on what, who ESPN should honor or not. Like uh, Everyone should be honoring what Peyton Hillis yeah, did to we'll, save people's we, lives. We, I, don't, I don't care about an ESPY award. On behalf of OutKick, I'd like to take this moment to honor Peyton Hillis and his courage right now. It and goes, that, that, this right yes. here, Hutton, this moment negates whatever slight you feel over the ESPYs, an yeah. award show that none of us watch or should care about of them honoring one, one person or one team over another person. So there.
That right there. It, I just I just made good on all of it. Well done. On it, behalf it, of Outkick. It produced the Jimmy V speech, the Stuart Scott speech. I mean, there there have been cool moments. But, you know, those are that's a bygone era based on the speeches that are manufactured there currently. And again, uh, we you had uh, Major League Baseball, but what was the what was the term in the World Series? Uh, a piece of metal talking about the the trophy. Yeah, the trophy. Uh, that's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Peyton Hillis. I mean, it's it's not going to change his story one way or the other if that's on his mantle. Period. Chad, coming up, uh, more headlines as we begin the uh, the second hour, just like that, one hour in, uh, including the Big Ten. They see blood in the water with the Pac-12, and they're waiting to pounce. Details on that next on Hot Mike.